Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Does it tame and tame and tame again? Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! The precise moment that Big Sam for vacant political role X Gags died their final death. Doc Brown returns with his big football linguistic obsession. What type of attempts on goal can be described as an effort? The insane methodology behind the MLS Assistant Referee of the Year voting. What's the threshold for pinball in a penalty area? And Keys and Gray ask yet another trusted ex-pro a leading question about Gagan pressing. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 200 of Football Clichés. I am Adam Hurry and with me first of all for the adjudication panel is David Walker. How's it going? Very good. What an honour to be on the 200th episode. I didn't make the cut for for 100, of course. Is that right? Well, it was Caro, Caro, wasn't it? Yeah, Jamie Carragher pulling rank. But no, you're here and you deserve to be. Um, Interesting tweet from Watford this weekend who who labelled Dan Gosling the talky cafu. Well, and now I realise before you before you open your mouth, I realise that it's become quite an ironic thing now, and uh, the the geography slash great ex player format has gone out the window completely in terms of its credibility. But I did like this one in terms of the just the sheer combination of things. I think it's nice. I wasn't aware of this actually until oh. you brought this to my attention literally minutes ago. He he did play well. As a makeshift right back, he did everything that that was asked of him. Did it yeah. very well. Wasn't ex- it? Didn't it? Didn't immediately bring to mind visions of Cafu. <laughs> I, but, I I quite like it when it is a stretch. Yeah, but my final point on this is people got quite annoyed. Um, some people got quite annoyed because he's actually from a place called Brixham. Oh right, oh, okay. Which is which is definitely not Torquay. I'm Some sure South residents of Brixham. Geography yeah. pedantry. It's all in the vague regional area of Tor Bay, um, but could they um, not? Could they go? Could right. they? Could they have gone the other way around then into the Cafu of the dot 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 of the Tor Bay regional area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could not have done. Though, is it? Not but I just, I, I just, I particularly like the com- the combination. Whether it's true or not, I'm not sure. Anyway, alongside you for the adjudication panel, he's back. It's the Andy Hinchcliffe of Walthamstow. It's Charlie Eccleshare. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, couple of weeks off. Paternity leave, and I get demoted to being the second guest. But I guess it keeps me on my toes. Just for the purposes I've my of the talky cafu chat. No, don't read anything into it. Fair. You know what? As well, that was a really interesting insight because during that talky cafu thing, there were a couple of times I wanted to interject. But I was like, 
can I do that? Is that allowed when I haven't formally been introduced yet? So always very conscious of that. One. Yeah, that's on can, me. That's on me. But I can see, we, Dave. You've been, that must be a, a challenge. Yeah, well, I often do interject. Yeah, and Adam sure. has to do the weird, and that voice you yes, you're true. hearing Crap, now is, is yeah. We'll work on it. I only had two hundred episodes to um, perfect it. Uh, how is your second child, Charlie? Are they have they slotted straight in? Yeah, they have actually. They've got. They seem to have got the family quite quickly. <laughs> and understand the traditions and the culture. I hope um, they have the DNA. <laughs> yeah, they literally have the DNA, which, which which does help. I'd be quite worried otherwise. Yeah, no, it's a, a seamless seamless addition. Well, we have got a golden adjudication panel for you right here. It's almost like you wouldn't have been away with some of this chat that we're about to engage in. Uh, first of all, uh, you may have noticed everybody the Chancellor of the Exchequer merry-go-round cranking into action once again. Quick. Uh, um, uh, whistle stop tour through this. Uh, Kwasi Kwarteng said he was going nowhere, then got sacked. Jeremy Hunt was appointed and thought it was a wind up. This is the sort of <laughs> entry level football discourse we were getting into. And it all basically boiled down to this very moment. Here's Adrian Charles on Five Live trying to make sense of it all with a former government advisor. And I presume uh, you guys are looking at the back entrance to the Downing Street to see who is n- mm-hmm. and isn't coming out, in and out. I mean. <laughs> It just fascinates me what you said about who's actually... I do have another suggestion right, for who go on. it might be. Go on, go on. I do have another suggestion for who it might be, yeah. which you'll appreciate, Adrian, which is Sam Allardyce, right, um, okay. who is the usual person people uh, turn to when they're in danger of relegation. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he's more forward-thinking than some give him credit for, but I, d- I don't think he's right for this job. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying. Um, so, Helen Thomas, the, as a former advisor to... <laughs> That lack of reaction is amazing. Impressively, li- impressively little amount of shrift given by Charles there. Yeah, he must have thought he was on such safe grounds, or, or not even safe ground. Thought I'm being really clever here. Really with- sold it, didn't he, Dave? The uh, government ex-government advisor really thought that Charles he was going to be along for the ride. Oh God, it's such a limp effort. Are we done with all of this now? Well, I I was thinking of you, Dave, when it was happening, the sort of uh, Watford crossover chat. My heart did go out to you because that that can't have been fun. Yeah, there has been quite a lot of that. Uh, There was a lot of... Well, Gary Lineker did the whole... He did. Oh, not even Watford. Yeah. (laughs) I could just imagine you think you'd be like, well, actually, we if you look at the numbers, it's not actually that much. I saw a few. Oh, Slavin Bilic is the new Chancellor of the Exchequer. Rubbish. Rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm making a public vow, uh, you know, in recognition of episode 200. I am never going to make a politics football crossover joke ever, either in casual conversation or on Twitter or anywhere ever have, again. I have need you to, done we so need to already. lead from the front with this, Dave. Have mm. you done? In, if somebody could scrape historic the tweets, archives, <laughs> is there one there hiding? We've all been on the journey. Yeah. Don't worry, we've all been there. Um, the, 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 this could be when you get cancelled, when someone dregs out. It's like actually in 2014 he did do a politics football crossover. But this was—I mean, we we discussed this at the London Live show, didn't we? The because uh, that was around that time. There was, you know, the yeah, it was the, the day of Johnson resigning. I yeah, I can assure you, we won't be making any similar material for the forthcoming live show. I mean, we, just to be clear, we were very much lampooning that. We weren't being like, know, hey, guys. it's very important to point that <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, well, I don't want listeners thinking like, what, at the live show, they were making gags about, oh, one of the, well, they should give it a Sam Allardyce for the rest How of the much? season. Yeah. yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. Right, next up, really enjoyed this. This is Danny Murphy on TalkSport um, subverting the classic things that cannot be done on a football pitch cliche. I mean, where in the in the in the realms of do's and don'ts on the field of play does spitting come for you? Well, it's it's a horrible thing to do. Now, I get that. I but wish spitting is lousy, isn't it's, it? It's awful. 
But if you're asking me what I'd prefer, I'd prefer to be spat at than somebody deliberately try and hurt me in a, in a, with an elbow or a two-footed tackle. Finally, finally, <laughs> Charlie, a footballer has admitted that they would rather be spat at than be physically harmed. Good, good to see. It's it's, it's been a journey. Yeah, but but we got there. Mm. Can, can, can I just say on Danny Murphy as well? I don't know if any of you saw this, but this really tickled me. A, a sort of a cliche, auto, cliche autopilot. He was talking about Mason Mount on Match of the Day two last night, and he said something. He's like, you know, he can play in any of the front positions, and you know, I think that sometimes counts against him because no, actually, he plays every game, so it's uh, it's a positive for him. It was, this, <laughs> it was this amazing, you know, that that thing that's just said, or whenever you say about, you know, he's so versatile. And I think that counts against him a little bit. It was brilliant just seeing him be like. Oh no, that, I've completely said that on reflex, but it really doesn't. Well, they, in that case, then, Dave, this is a tremendous few days for Danny Murphy in the language of football. Like, mm. first he's flipping a, an old cliche around on himself, and rightly so, and then he's just forced to confront his own cliches on match of the day. This is great. Yeah, I, I've actually always been a, a big fan of Danny Murphy's. I think if you do listen to him, he often does have interesting things to say, but he kind of, there is a feeling that he gets lumped in with mm, the some of the sort of, yeah, kind of run-of-the-mill pundits. I don't know whether it's because he's played for Liverpool and he's, I, I think don't know. His accent but... is, I think people see him as Durr and I think people saw him as the kind of Loro successor, um, mm. which which maybe isn't quite right. I was going to say that people um, thought of him as Dower, but then then Charlie pronounced it Durr and then I, I don't want to go into that minefield at all. <laughs> Interestingly, this, um, this, uh, this clip came via Andy Barge of uh, BBC Scotland fame, who incidentally was responsible for the ultimately justified top-of-the-table clash claim on the BBC website last week when second played third in the Scottish Premiership. But the problem, I'm sad to report, has got worse. Rangers played Motherwell on Sky at the weekend, and Now TV, the Now TV guide, advertised it as a top-of-the-table clash, Dave. Seventh versus second in a 12-team league. (sighs) Oh, come on. <laughs> this is awful. That is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It, well, it may as well be a bottom of the table clash if you. <laughs> if there's only 12 teams in and one of them's seventh. It's just a game. It's just exactly. You don't need to call it anything. Just not even a clash. You don't even have to call it a clash if you don't want to. I don't know. It is a clash. Just a game. They could have written just a game. So, yeah, the problem is... Is spreading, uh, but Andy Barge, your reputation remains just about intact. There's every chance that the person who's written that doesn't know what they're talking about, which is mm. probably the most likely scenario. However, if people were listening to this podcast who had the jobs of like updating relatively low-profile, minor bits of information like that, it'd be a great place to just tuck away little references. That used to be my job, actually, Dave. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, whilst I have some sympathy with the, the kind of lead time for TV schedules and, and their listings, I, I looked back at Motherwell's recent form. There was no way that they were ever in the mix. So my sympathy for this corner of that industry is gone. Right, Andrew Howe Ely writes in and says, Just heard... A commentator on BT Sport say this. Uh, I believe this is Scott Minto watching Real Betis versus Roma. Wow, he is as well, just offside. What a ball though from Spinazzola. Talking about how he's predominantly right-footed and and yet he can still put great balls in with his left foot. That was a wonder ball. <laughs> 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 just not even talking now. Are we? <laughs> it's just, there's something, yeah. It's just that's great. I mean, trying to think of the equipment. I mean, because clearly the wand is. I mean, we know it to be the wand of left foot, etc., etc. Mm. But that's because that's what your that's like the weapon of choice. I'm trying to think what the equivalent though of what comes out of a wand. That would be the magic. That would be the spell itself. The spell, yeah. I suppose that's the spell. Magic um, spell of a cross. That's kind of that would be all right, but. 
I don't know. I mean, the saving grace here, at least, Dave, you know, if we're really scraping the barrel for, for comfort here, it was at least left-footed, the cross, from spin at yeah. So yep. Yeah, so look, we, can, we can see the mental journey that he's been on there, <laughs> but it doesn't, in reality, <laughs> it doesn't, like it doesn't it look good. doesn't no. work. I don't think it works even figuratively. I'm not even going to file it under sort of know what he means. It's not even going to earn that credential from us. Next up, Charlie, this one's for you. Frank Lamol writes in and says, Vicky Sparks on Five Live Saturday said Son had five in his last five. Neatly, it's a hat trick four games ago and a brace in his last game. Technically correct, but five in five feels wrong for this. Uh, it, is a st- it is stretchy, yeah. but in a way that isn't actually wrong. Yeah, it's kind of um, the spirit of it is is not quite right. I mean, it's it's just slightly misleading because you're talking about you're using that to say they're in good form or whatever. When actually, if they haven't scored for a number of games, that suggests they haven't been in great form. It is a particularly tricky one, though, Dave, because he's basically he scored a hat trick off the bench, mm-hmm. scored two in his last game, but had a three game goal drought. You know, almost justifiably could call it a three game goal drought in the middle of it. What a what a roller coaster that is. Yeah, I suppose there isn't any other way to say that, to, no. neatly, to neatly say it. It's just unusual because the divergence is so big that you could say he hasn't, sco- he hasn't scored in his three previous games going into this one. You can really tell whichever story you want with those with those numbers. I'm no longer going to trust kind of breezy pre-match X goals in Y games stats anymore because I want to mm. know the context behind it. Yeah. The, the suffering that may have gone on in between all of that. Right, next one. Really enjoyed this from George West. Going about your day-to-day business whilst being a regular cliches listener shouldn't be a big issue. And yet I have found that it's testing the etymological rigmarole of day-to-day life. Phrases such as in and around, which formerly had an innocent banality, have now become inexplicably chuckle-worthy. The peak of this dissonance between football and regular language came recently when a colleague informed me of a medication that she was taking for her sinuses. (laughs) (laughs) An innocent statement that left me looking quite a prat as I struggled to hold back laughter while imagining that her long-standing support of nasal-based analgesics had been touted on her various appearances on Popmaster. Uh, what have we done to society, Tate? That's, that's so good. Oh, what are you taking that for? Oh, yeah, for my sinus. <laughs> Charlie, that's it's superb. a disease. It's actually that's a superb. disease. And, and on the For My Sins, I was told by... Uh, via someone else but that he met with someone in New York who's a big listener and he started this New York resident has started saying for my sins regularly which no one else it's just not a thing that's said there right and everyone thinks he's really odd but that just makes it more amusing to him which I love the idea of someone just bandying around for my sins and getting blank looks from everyone I can't really imagine like um no it doesn't feel right I, I mean, I can't imagine like an, an American sports fan of any denomination, whatever sport it is, saying for my sins for this team, because they're all quite proud. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, of their teams and also just generally in a, like self-deprecation is not something you normally associate with Americans, I don't yeah. think. But we in do do it here. Brits. We do do it here for American sports, Charlie. So you will get paying oh, the New York yeah. Jets. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we were. Yeah, I think Brits would absolutely do that. Or even they would say that they that, followed that is the a correct. sport. Team of choice as well. I know, I'm yeah. fucking sick of hearing about people supporting the New York Jets. Go and support a different team. It doesn't make any difference. You've got no affiliation with them anyway. She's but a I think one. They might even use a whole sport here. You know, like, oh, yeah, I'm a baseball fan for myself. Yeah, sins. maybe. Yeah, um, maybe. They'd, they'd go that broad. Yeah, they're just, I've, yeah. um, I've got a New York Jets key ring, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God. Your sins. How do you still appear on this podcast? I have no idea. <laughs> How do you sleep at night? <laughs> Um, speaking of people who have appeared on this podcast, uh, this is from listener Ben Bailey-Smith, a.k.a. Doc Brown, who was listening to Five Live on Friday night with uh, Carl Walker on duty. Um, 
just let's just refresh our memories of Doc Brown getting annoyed by a very, very popular footballing phrase. But somehow it's mutated over the years to where we're at now in this shit show in 2021 where you can say in and around anything. First of all, it's gone from or to and, right? So you're in and around. Yes. So you're both. Okay, yeah. so you you want to be in and around. So wait, so you, do you want to be in the top four or fucking around it? Do you want to be in it or around it? Where do you want to be? It's That's in very or important. around, not in and around. So yeah, very passionate guy. So passionate about it, in fact, that like 18 months later, he's still on this and uh, still obsessed with it. And this was Manchester City's Carl Walker on Five Live on Friday night. Was that Dortmund valuing him too low or Manchester City saying, you know what, we, we can get him at this price? I don't, I don't know, obviously, I'm not in and behind the transfer market, but <laughs> when you have Kevin De Bruyne and the, the likes that we've got that can pass balls in and behind you, it, it's difficult. Wow. In and behind. Is that a double in and behind? He's a double in and behind, in and behind the transfer market and in and behind you. Two different points of the program. He said in and behind. In and behind, Charlie. In I think and I discussed this with Doc Brown himself. In and behind is seem to me is is more involved. Like in and behind, is like really kind of in and around yeah. is more vague. In and behind says you're really in on the scene. Like you're actually well involved. So I think it's actually better. In and behind. Yeah. I. To be in and behind a transfer means you're there. You're there. You're both there visibly, but you're also behind the scenes. It's quite devious, you know. Yeah, the man who's secretly behind yeah. the transfer market pulling mm. the strings. Behind but I think any scenes. sort of technical director would be in and behind, wouldn't they? Yeah, because they're both vis. You know that that's what they're doing, but they're also doing tons of stuff without you knowing. Real evolutionary theme to this episode so far. Rules being broken and remade all over the shop. The second example doesn't work, though, does it? With the Kevin De Bruyne playing balls in and behind you. you, play, you play I don't ball. agree. I think it's fine. You can't play a ball in. In you. Into you. Well, I suppose you could. You, you can, can play, play a ball in, in behind. So therefore it's in and behind. We had, you know this discussion we had about being in? You're being in. You're in. Yeah. He's in. And if you're in, you're it's not basically what, behind. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. So they go hand in hand. I I like it. Carl Walker, good stuff. Next up, I tried everything I could, Charlie, to locate this clip on the BBC Sounds app, but my God, life is just just too short. So I'm going to have to just give it to you from uh, from Fraser, who said the commentator on Five Live for Leeds versus Arsenal described Sinistera as having sautéed to the edge of the penalty area. Presumably he meant sauntered. <laughs> well, like, what else could it have been? I mean, I haven't heard it, so I might be doing a... Yeah, a it, must be, it must be sauntered. But sautéed. So, <laughs> just, so, just frying himself over to the edge of the penalty area. Um, yeah, I like that. But yeah, we'll reserve judgment until someone could ever get us the audio. Unless he was... How would, you, how would one sauté themselves in that fashion? <laughs> sort of hop, kind of... <laughs> Yeah, I suppose so. Like you're yeah. sizzling in a pan. Yeah. <laughs> Flipping himself L- over. Lots of little steps. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Right. This Leeds versus Arsenal game threw up all sorts of football linguistic dilemmas. Um, this is almost like a complete section of this episode now because uh, Ben Davis writes in and says, the BBC minute by minute described Patrick Bamford's penalty miss as his effort went wide. Surely a penalty is never an effort. That's a half chance or a lowish probability strike, like a free kick. You wouldn't call a tap in an effort. I'm interested though, Charlie, what an effort, what counts as an effort? I think there are lots of things that count as efforts. You can have an effort from long, pretty much any shot from long range yeah. can be an effort. I think penalties can be efforts, only if they're saved or no. missed. No. Yeah. I mean, I think of an effort, what's a good effort? I, I, I don't think it's massively threatening. It might be, it's a decent effort, is just like, you know, a sort of dribbler that's on target, but he's got the shot away. Gets the shot away. And so that's sort of uh, a pl- 
clause-worthy. Penalties feels a bit tricky because there's no efforts really gone into that. I mean, the ball is right there matters. for you. I don't think that's part of the definition. I think it's quite a vague, neutral term, Dave. Um, but I'm pretty sure penalties can be efforts. It's like I don't know. He was equal to the eff- he was equal to Bamford's effort, for example, or something like that. Or Bamford's effort went wide. I think it's okay. Would you use that though? If you're writing, if you're writing up the match report, surely that would not be anywhere near the top of your list of ways to describe it. I would use it in a penalty shootout if one of the penalties was saved. So say, for example, Carlos Roa, who saved David Batty's effort for Argentina against England in 1998. It's fine. It's fine. I think David just Batty's used in, in passing. forlorn effort. Effort. Effort is fine. But I, I would mostly, Charlie, use effort for sort of 25-yarders that, that don't go in. Mm. But can efforts go in? This is a very crucial Ooh. question. Effort? Effort from distance. I don't think he can. No, because effort is all... The, the implication is all about the fact that it's trying. Mm, in vain. And I don't, like, why would you emphasise the fact they've tried if they've succeeded? Mm. Mm. I, th- I um, think it would just sound odd. Where I do agree with Ben Davis here, Dave, he says, um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't call a tap in an effort. Ronnie Rosenthal didn't hit the bar of an open goal with an effort. So really easy, close-range chances cannot be efforts. I think that's fine. Yeah, and I, but I think is the implication there, which is what Charlie was getting at, is that you haven't had to put in much effort to perform that task, right? Mm. Which is I, why we more commonly associate it with a shot from 25 yards that clearly requires narrow, effort. Narrow, narrowly goes wide or the keeper saves, but it was nevertheless a good effort, mm, not a bad this effort. Further. I think I just think it's used very lazily and doesn't mean anything at all, uh, which might undermine this entire podcast. Anyway, amid the Elland Road electricity woe on Sunday, Charlie, the Athletics' Michael Cox was in attendance and uh, thinking out loud. And he thought, well, if this game had to be cancelled, maybe they should try a cricket-style Duckworth-Lewis method to decide these situations. Uh, <laughs> what would a football-style Duckworth-Lewis method involve? I suppose it could just be XG, couldn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, what's but what's funny about this is it was stopped after... What, less than a minute? <laughs> so kind of breaking it down at that point to completed passes, <laughs> throw-ins. I mean, yeah. I, I, it depends what happened in those opening 40 seconds. But yes, I guess, yeah, actually, I, I mean, I remember back in the dim distant past when England lost to Germany on penalties in your 96 and there was a whole, that's no way to settle a game. Like what oh, other yeah. way, you know, how else can we settle it? And there would some really mad Number ideas. Number of corners around. was corners was a thing. That's absolutely yeah. insane. <laughs> As if that's, yeah, that's fairer. That's um, absolutely crap. It's terrible. I'm but really yeah, surprised. I, but yes, now with the evolution of uh, data and football, yeah, XG would be the obvious one. And can you imagine uh, oh. the sort of fury that that would prompt? For, especially for those people who still think XG is just like the Littlewoods pools and it's just a prediction. Those people. <laughs> yes, we know who you mean. We know exactly we who you mean. We may as well not bother playing. Yeah. Well, it's it's on a spreadsheet now, isn't it? (laughs) Um, Dave, meanwhile, Ellen Road, uh, quite a lot of people got in touch about this. Uh, I I think they're all bang on. Paul Robinson was co-commentating on this game and he said that Brendan Aronson had strayed just onside. (laughs) You definitely can't stray onside, can you? Well, (laughs) if you're coming back from an offside position... It's the, not straying. The, the only way someone could be onside with the straying is if the defender has strayed. And, and again, I wouldn't use this, but no. it would be the defender has strayed into a position whereby they're playing someone onside. Straying is a kind of lazy, you haven't done the work. So if yeah. a defender hadn't stepped out and thereby played someone onside... It is by definition careless, kind of lack of attention. I completely agree. But, but th- th- there's no verb for coming back onside, is there? <laughs> we haven't thought about this. Mm. How, do you, how do you get yourself back onside? I don't know. Can't wander. 
You can't stray. Don't know. You could uh, pop. Pop yourself back, back on side. <laughs> pop yourself <laughs> back on side, fella. <laughs> <Off you> pop. <laughs> uh, no, there's a gap in the football football language. There's nothing there. Right. That was about a dozen people got in touch about this. It was several thousands actually seemed to notice this one, presumably all watching the game via their legitimate paid for TV platforms abroad. Here's Paul Robinson again uh, talking about an Aaron Ramsdale save in the first half when it was still nil-nil. Arsenal survive for now. Strike, I think it is, sticks a leg out. Match winning save from the goalkeeper. Brilliant save. And I, I, what stunned me about this, Charlie, was how many people um, seemed to think this was a massive transgression, football linguistically. And uh, I think it's absolutely fine in my book. I mean, I, mean, I guess you could, probably do, you could probably have added the word potentially, but I think it's fine. It is a save that could turn out to be a match-winning but, one. That's no, right. but come on. That is, that's a really important clarification. If he says, and those are the sorts of saves that win your matches, fine. That's what he was saying. But yeah, he was but saying it is a save a of a, a match-winning type save. I know what you mean, Adam, but I, cause I think I heard that must have been used on like the highlight, the Sky Sports highlights or something. Mm. That's why so many people realised that he'd said it. Wow. Yeah, because and, and I did hear. It, I was like, "Isn't this pretty early on in the game?" <laughs> well, okay. To, to be to be saying it, it definitely jarred. Okay, interesting. Um, wow. I just yeah, I just thought he meant kind of the type of save that could turn out to be match winning, and he just he just said it in shorthand. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. But, but what if it had been a goal? If you know. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, if, if you scored a goal that sort of reduced the arrear, because it, 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 it's sort of the, I mean, it's obviously different, but it's the equivalent mm. of scoring a goal that like pulls one back and be like, that's a match winning goal. Mm. It's like, mm, no, you it's not. It's the 90th minute and it's made it 3 1 or something. It's like, yeah, but yeah. it could be. It's, the, it's a quality <laughs> that could win a game. No, true. But, you know, Dave, if we continue to let goalkeepers and defenders into the commentary gantry, this sort of thing will only happen more and more. Uh, speaking of which, here is some classic defenders unionising in the Bundesliga. This is Phil Bonney and Moritz Voltz on commentary. Oh, that's a great take by Nkunku. It's a great miss by Nkunku. No, no, don't call it a big miss by Nkunku. Just focus on the brilliant defending there. That's a superb block. Phil Bonney, don't say that. Oh, he should have scored there. Oh, he does beautiful to round the keeper there. And this is just... And it's Luka Bakio, isn't it? Wow. All my credit, all my heart goes out to him for that. Charlie, I simply put it to you that this is massively over-eager defenders unioning from uh, Moritz Voltz. Can I just jump in there quickly? Doddy Lukabakio, very much a forward player. Can he be a member of the Defenders Union, even though he's cleared it off the line? Is that right? Interesting yeah. observation from you. Good knowledge. He used um, to play for Watford, that's why. Well, I mean, oh, I see. Of course he did. <laughs> of course he did, etc. But uh, I, I meant that Moritz Voltz was doing the Defenders Unioning. On, mm. uh, but I suppose, hmm, interesting. Well, I think it's all right. If it's a defensive act, then that falls under the remit. Co-opted briefly. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. But um, it's just just too much, I would say, Charlie, too much. Yeah, he definitely goes big with that. I would say, though, that watching the replay, you sort of see what he means. Um, it was great defending. It was, yeah, well, it was it a miss. Yeah. It, it, was, it was really good defending. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's very... Uh, it's the sort of militant union behaviour that upsets a lot of people. I want to hear more co-commentators telling off commentators, Dave. I think it would make for... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Using their full names as well. <laughs> How dare you. I've never heard that ever before. Can you imagine Great that? stuff, Phil Bonnie. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't say that, Clive Tildesley. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would love to hear co-commentators using all their experience 
to tell off commentators. And uh, speaking of uh, holding commentators to account, did you know that the Football Clichés podcast is going live? It's going to London, it's going to Manchester, it's going to Dublin in November. And I can tell you that there are just a handful of tickets left for London. There's going to be hundreds of you there and we just want a few more. So act quick because there's not many left. Manchester and Dublin also selling fast. So come and join us at Earth in Hackney on the 8th of November, New Century Hall in Manchester on the 15th, and Dublin's Liberty Hall Theatre on the 16th of November. It's going to be great fun. Charlie, are you looking forward to it? Bet you are I now. I really am. I really am. Uh, it's The last one was so much fun. So yeah, I'm uh, very, very excited. Dave, are you ready to press the right buttons? <laughs> Uh, I'm ready to press the right button. I, I think you find I did press all the right buttons last time, but when buttons said buttons were pressed, certain things didn't happen as they should have done. <laughs> it's a very important job. Uh, people don't understand the uh, intricacy that goes on behind the scenes for this sort of thing. Actually, yeah, Dave, you were in and behind the Clichés live show. Mm. You were both there, very much front and centre, but also pulling the strings behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, orchestrating. Great stuff. Hello, James Richardson here, presenter of The Totally Football Show. It's a show about football, and sometimes it's about life, and usually it's about an hour long. This Thursday, it's particularly about the midweek Premier League games, Ten Hag against Conte, South Coast Derby dust-up between uh, Bournemouth and Saints, and the story tradition of the all-West London-Brentford-Chelsea clash. I'll be asking dumb questions. Duncan Alexander, Carl Anker and Ahmed Schubel will have clever answers, and you can find all of that by searching for The Totally Football Show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right, welcome back. And boy, do I have some serious MLS content for you. Dave, 
Major League Soccer tweeted the other day, congratulations to Corey Rockwell for being named the 2022 MLS Assistant Referee of the Year. Now, what an award that is, by the way, <laughs> etc. I mean, first of all, let that sink in. I mean, what? I mean, they just love giving out sporting awards, basically, don't they? Yeah. Is there an Assistant Referee's Hall of Fame, presumably, that this I guy can... could get into at some point? Yeah, very happy to run you through the previous winners of MLS Assistant Referee of the Year. I can tell you straight off the bat, since this award's been going since 2008, 33% of all MLS Assistants of the Year have been called Corey. <laughs> Okay. If that isn't evidence enough of just how American these people are, the award has been won twice by a guy called Kermit Quisenberry. <laughs> Come on. Kermit Quisenberry, uh, which, is, which is frankly sensational. Um, but, Charlie, if you thought this was kind of just a throwaway award, just something they thought, well, we, we need the assistants to be recognised, you'd be wrong. Um, this is the methodology for awarding the MLS Assistant Referee of the Year. Um, they hold a vote amongst the players, a vote amongst the clubs... And then a vote amongst the media. And then the share of those votes are then averaged out to get the winner of the award. Now, Corey Rockwell tops the table just ahead of Ian Anderson and Chris Elliott with an average of 37.3% of the vote. But tellingly, he only got 27% of the vote amongst the players. Like he was, They hated him. So, he is not a player's, line, a player's assistant. This is like when Ed Miliband got, became leader of the Labour well, Party. Exactly. Without, without getting the backing of the MPs. Yeah, Speaking of the unions, those pesky unions again. But we need to dig into this data. Corey Rockwell got 27.4% of the vote amongst the players, Dave. Well behind Ian Anderson on 40.1%, but got 44.7% of the vote in the media. What's that about? Is he out there campaigning for it? What's going Such on? a media darling. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I'm yeah, I'm surprised that it's such a subjective... Thing. I, well, I thought it would have been like the most correct offsides called or something or, you know. I guess one of two things has happened. He genuinely is divisive or is different with players and media or people don't really know, have voted fairly arbitrarily and hence you've got quite a big uh, swing. I, I suspect the latter, but I may be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. He could have flagged loads of players offsides and that would have irritated them, but he got all the decisions right, which meant the media were impressed. I don't know. I hope, but... it, I hope it's anything other than just no one really knew and randomly was like, uh, I'll give it to that guy. Well, I, mean, I, I joked, Dave, about the idea that he might have campaigned for this award, but it turns out that Rockwell is a two-time winner of this award. Uh, he previously won it back in 2011. So <laughs> 11 barren years of not wow. being the MLS okay. assistant of the year. I'm wow. going to fucking win it one day I'm going to get back to the top a real resurgence yeah yeah right off Corey Rockwell at your peril that's what they say don't they they do I mean and that's the say that's the last time Pep Guardiola won the Champions League was 2011 so I wonder if it was a similar thing of like you know he can't just keep dining out on these past glories he's got to do it again for me so difficult guys so difficult to win Uh, Next up, this is fantastic. An amazing collection of words, Dave, tweeted this weekend by Greek football enthusiast Hellas Footy. Full-time, Aris 2, Ionikos 1. Alan Pardew's Aris taste victory after two games by coming from behind with Jovino and Andre Gray finding the net. Fucking hell. Oh, yes. Wow. Jovino. I did not know that Andre Gray was out there either, but Jovino, blimey. It's just amazing, just things that just quietly happen. Abroad, Charlie. <laughs> Jovino's career must be quite... 35 a, years old. ...an entertaining one to look at. I imagine he must have qualified for one of our 11s. Yeah, I was thinking any, that. I'm not happened, sure we, we did, but that might be because he'd already done it all. What's he got left? Because I think he, he must have got... I think he's gone already to China. He's done that, gone to China, but then come back to... 
Turkey and those sorts of leagues. I mean, he's maybe got a, a Middle East move in him. You know, but, but when Alan Pardew calls, there's yeah. only one place you're going to go, which is Aris. Um, but yeah, absolutely wonderful. Now, <laughs> this is equally sensational. Uh, from Matt Clough, Bolton manager Ian Everett, after their nil-nil draw against Barnsley, extended their barren run in front of goal to four and a half hours, said this, Dave. We just wanted it to hit Dion Charles in the ball sack and go in, break the cycle. I don't know if I can say that. Maybe use the technical term. We needed one to go in off his scrotum. I mean, it just feels an unnecessary variation on the come theme. On. Yeah, the backside is there for you to use... And it's it's PG, it's fine. You don't need to get testicles involved. Now we've addressed the taste aspect of this, Charlie. Would you think that a if the ball did go off, if it just skimmed a scrotum, do you think the player would be awarded the goal? I don't think they would. I don't know. I think they might be. But they're not going to discriminate, do we? Well, I mean, of course it's, it would be awarded. It's part, it's, yeah, how would they be able their... to? How would they tell? Well, a I glancing mean, blow. You'd need some. Yeah. If it was if it was if it wasn't visible by the naked eye, then hmm. you would have a, a challenge. But you've seen you have seen goals like the Harry Kane one, like well, barely didn't I, touch his head. I don't, but still uh, yeah, I was thinking that 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 was the one that came to mind. Hmm. If he sort of celebrated enough, <laughs> appealed enough for it, say, nah, look, honestly, I mean, I don't. It it, it, it did it, it did go off my scrotum. <laughs> um, Who's going to argue? Yeah. Shreedy's not going to argue with that, is he? No. Does the dubious goal panel? Do they look at those things as well, as well as own goals? Do would they look? At, would that could that be referred to them? I think they would. Well, but they do it quite quickly now. It's not like sort of a two week affair. The Premier League mm. sort of think tank down at Stockley Park work it out within a few sort of moments about who they're going to give the wall, the goal to for fantasy reasons as well. Of course. Mm. Uh, next dilemma comes from the Career We Go podcast. Dave he says, "Are matches only described as affairs when they're cagey?" I think all matches described as affairs have to be in the balance of in some way. It had to be quite. Tense. I was going to say a tense affair. affair. I think you could say it was a tense affair. Well, you could have a one-sided affair, couldn't you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And what if what if um, one team? Uh, what if both teams have a brother on either side, Charlie? A family affair. That's a family affair. So mm. it is. It's yeah. a very versatile word. Um, but it, it can't really be... I mean, you can have a one-sided affair, but that's kind of used in passing. But I really wouldn't use affair for anything other than a particular no. game. Could you say it was a disappointing affair? Yeah, I think you could, actually. Dow, dour affair. <laughs> um, oh, well, you can use it for pretty much anyone. So there you go. There we go. Career Go podcast. You can have that. <laughs> this is the height of pedantry. This is, if anything celebrates 200th episode better than this, I'm not sure. This is from John Light, who was watching um, Brighton Brentford on Friday night. And he said, Jamie Carragher described Joel Veltman's chance on Friday as pinball, but it only took one ricochet. Surely this doesn't constitute pinball. <laughs> Um, let me reiterate, Charlie, what happened. Corner came in. Leandro Trossard kind of poked it goalwards. Joel Viltman controlled it quite tidily, turned and shot. David Rea tipped it over. That's not pinball. That isn't pinball, is it? But if you're being, if you're fighting pedantry with pedantry, pin, if you're playing pinball, it doesn't have to always be zany pinball no, stuff. Smart. No, that's fun. Yeah, that's, that's when fun. pinball's fun. When did you but turn pinball into can- Dave Walker? Pinball, well, but only because this is... So pedantic. I mean, I think he's right, but you could, if you were getting really technical, say no. But I meant pinball in a. You know, sometimes you have quite low key shots. No, the ball goes, the ball goes, the ball's gone go straight away. down the middle. Yeah, exactly. There's not. You can have it. So there's no. It's really ricochet. disappointing pinball. Dave, be the yeah, voice of reason boring, here. Very boring pinball. What is oh, the footballing threshold for pinball? I think there was a good example of it recently in the match between Arsenal and Liverpool, which led up to Gabriel. 
Jesus' penalty. Just before the penalty. Yeah, yeah. When, the, when the ball was just, it was just going in and out, in and out, blocks, shots, recycled crosses in. Like, it was a, there was a good sort of 30 seconds with just the ball pinballing, pinballing. around the penalty area. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's look at the minimum threshold here. First of all, it needs to have touched the boot of a. It needs to have touched the body of a player from both teams in the same passage of chaotic play inside the penalty area. That's the first thing. One or at least one of those touches has to be kind of an inadvertent touch of the ball, just being in the way, mm. or kind of an attempted clearance that just that serves only to put the ball back into the mix. I was going to say a failed clearance. I think is really important. Yeah, but a block also I think is quite crucial. Yeah. It's essentially, just being a buffer, and you need at least one of those things to constitute pinball. But in this case, it was a particularly it was a tidy passage of play. So I'm not having pinball at all Jamie Carragher 100 episodes on from your appearance mm. still not he, quite getting it has he learned nothing <laughs> nothing <laughs> oh dear uh, speaking of this game Dave um, Leo Watkins writes in and says Ivan Tony's first goal that lovely little flick was described as an improvised finish just because it was a flick but surely it's just as improvised as any other finish no finish is exactly planned he's onto something here no one's ever questioned this yeah it, it took the same speed of thought as if he just tapped it in normally. Mm. Yes. However, those sorts of finishes are, you sort of feel like they are a little bit more common these days. And it's sort of like, if the ball comes to him in that scenario, it's probably, that's sort of the, that is the thing That's that the do. thing they do now. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. It's not even, it's not, it's not a one-off. It's probably not even 10%. I reckon it's probably like closer to 40% of these chances, these very specific chances, Charlie. They attempt to finish them like this. That's what I remember, I remember very, very vividly Hernan Crespo doing that. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. Oh, right. Took my breath away, I, let me tell you. Um, because it, it, was, it was amazing. It, then it was properly... It did feel properly improvised because in my mind, I'd never seen it before. My, my first memory of this, and it, it's it's slightly different in so much that this was a volley, but it was Zola against mm. Norwich. Norwich, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's the same motion, but the ball's in the air rather than on the ground. But was it improvised? Is it improv- any more improvised than if he just volleyed it in normally? It's important. Yeah, I think it is. I think the element of improvisation comes because... Well, it depends. In in that Zola one, that was a set piece, so maybe they planned it. I don't think they had. No. But I think because those goals tend to be because the pullback is a bit behind them, it doesn't feel deliberate. So what you're doing, it's not like you've thought, I'm going to run onto this, the pass is right into my path, and I'm just going to hit it. You have had to adjust to what you would have liked to do ideally because it's behind you. So, so you think the decision to do that back heel, on average, is made later than the decision to make a traditional finish? It, that's, that, that would be yes. a fair theory. Yeah, I okay. think it is. Enough I, to I make think... it improvised. <laughs> but what about overhead mm. kicks then and bicycle kicks? Because they're, they're, those the reason you end up doing those is because the ball gets hit behind you, but you adjust your body. Yeah, I think there is an element of, of improvisation there. I think like that route, that famous Rooney one against City. It was a deflected cross, of course. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. So I think you're having to adjust, readjust your body and... Uh, you know, like some, like the polar opposite. You know those goals where someone arrives and it's just so clear for so long what they're going to do. A yeah. sort of late run from midfield, they just stroke it into a corner. Carlos Alberto for Brazil against Italy. The, the least improvised goal of what's the least improvised goal ever scored? I'm trying to think. I think like in my mind, like a Frank Lampard or someone. One where he's just he strolls onto it, and for so long he knows exactly what he's going to do because his anticipation's really good. So he's just like, right, the ball's going to drop there. I'm going to run onto it and stroke it into that corner. All penalties Requires- presumably don't count 
they're all the le- yes. most unimprovised yeah. goal you can score. Yeah, that's a good point. Because the situation's never going to change. Oh, a very interesting question. But what about if you're one of those players, like Ivan Tony, who waits till the very last second to see what the keeper does? <laughs> or or try telling Penenka that, 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 that you can't improvise a penalty. Oh, well, does inventing it for the first time count as improvised? I don't know. Well, actually, yeah, we don't know how that may have been... Mm. Long in the work. It would only be improvisational if Panenka literally thought about it in the literally the millisecond before he did it. Exactly before he ran up. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, not the case. I'm led to believe. Fantastic, great chat. Yeah, really good question. More stuff like that, please, listeners. Not just our right feet ones. Right. Um, (laughs) Final item of the adjudication panel today: Uh, a celebration of just how far the cultural reach of the football cliches podcast really is. Now, this is from. This is from listener Leonard Cohen. Wow. He <laughs> was listening to Five Live at the weekend. Uh, John Murray and Chris Sutton in the commentary booth. And uh, they paused for thought about a very specific footballing phrase. The general sort of tenor of it was that Aki is in quite a good moment now, as the Continentals like to say. I think a lot of, uh, you know, everyone says that. We say it over here as well, don't yeah, we? Yeah, the, the Continental started it. Oh, did and they? it's become part of British football in Parliament. Which, uh, which particular Continental well, started that, John? Well, people like <laughs> Carlo Ancelotti. Ah. I think I would be right in saying. I, you know, part of me would love to think that John Murray Charlie is a listener of football cliches, but even if he isn't, I'm just delighted to hear this stuff being... Mm. Just, you know, reflected upon in the middle of a passage of innocuous passage of footballing play. Yeah, so much so that I wouldn't. I'd hate to point out that we were having these sort of discussions, Adam, you and I, years and years and years ago. But I mean, moment has been around for quite a long time. But mm. um, but I'm not going to say that. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to revel in that. And I do, you know, I think of Graham Potter as uh, a real where is it Sutton who's with him there. Mm. Says how a lot of English managers. I mean, I, Potter. He he he's been momenting for a while, but yeah. he uses a lot of um, sort of foreign man, like for sure. And these sort of, it's quite funny that you've got an English national speaker using these sort of foreign manager who English isn't their first language. But is that because um, did he maybe have a bit of that when he was in Sweden? Maybe that bled into the way he talks about football. He had no, to sort of. Yeah, possibly. Well, it had to be a bit more international in, in his language. I think yeah, it's maybe. also just an aspirational thing. They just they just see very good managers coming over here and they copy <laughs> them. It's um, it's it's really fascinating way of doing things. But hot on the heels of that, Charlie, a fantastic addition to this sub sub genre. This is Antonio Conte um, talking about his family situation, about whether he's when he's, he's gonna, when he's going to bring his family over and, and settle properly in England. Because I think I believe he's been living in a in a hotel. And um, one of the reasons he hasn't done it is because he didn't want to um, uproot his daughter from her school. And he says, I have to respect her moment because she's growing and to change many schools is not good. <laughs> respect her moment. That's quite right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah but, but when foreign manager says it like that, it just takes on so much more gravitas. Yeah. I mean, it is a curious one. I was told once that moment, part of it is from momentum right. is it's a sort of slight mistranslation which i get which kind of makes sense like we're in a good moment you're wheeling out ha- your latin again we, <laughs> that, I, well it will be it will be related right. but it's that we we have good momentum mm. but yeah applying it to all areas of life i'm all for i often do i say we're in a good moment still in a good moment here aren't we dave just about yeah just about anyway it's time for keys and gray corner <laughs> Sunday. 
Right, just one for you, really. As I said, Charlie, it's almost like you haven't been away because uh, no matter how much time you take away from the Football Clichés podcast, you will always return to Keys and Grey indulging in this with Mick McCarthy. But football-wise, he was brilliant. He was, wasn't he? He was great football Who invented the Gagan press, Mick? (laughs) Gagan. What is <laughs> well, the, <laughs> what is the Gagan press? The Gagan press Jimmy, is... We, go on. Jimmy, when we were playing, when we were in the Irish team and he had to put them under pressure, yeah. which was, you know, turn them around and get up behind them and go and press them. We, we, we'd strangle them, we wouldn't let them out. Uh, it, so it wasn't called the Gagan press then, but, I mean, who, who invented the possession game? Who invented the high press, low press, mid press? Is that, you know... i tell you who it wasn't, mate. i tell you who it wasn't. It wasn't Gagan. Because he wasn't around when I, I played, know. and he wasn't around when you were playing. And I think we kind of no. did the same sort of things. Just incredible. This is what uh. the Keys and Grey podcast has just become, Charlie. They, they get the person most likely to entertain the same yeah. question week after week after week. And this week it was Mick McCarthy. And they just could, this, the tail end, the start of that clip is just a tail end of a conversation they're having about Norman Hunter and how good he actually was at football. And then suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, they think, well, okay, on, press it. Let's, let's turn the screw it, on this it one. Is yeah. Just go, yeah, it's just goading someone, isn't it? And also because you're you're slightly playing to their ego as well because you're saying that, you know, you did all of this stuff, Mick, as well. Mm. How did he describe as well in the tweet? It was... It was something like he doesn't know how funny he is, but he's actually a top football man or something. It wasn't a, because it was it was a variance on proper football man. It was a really funny phrase. Keezy's so rattled by the OED. Yeah, the Gagan press being in the OED really has got to him. <laughs> and by the end of, by God. the end of that clip, you are so initially, you know, you just think, oh, it's a it's a crap gag from Andy. Yeah, saying, oh, Gagan invented mm-hmm. the Gagan press. By the end <laughs> of it, I am thinking, does he think that Gagan is a man? <laughs> Almost certainly. The fact that he revisits it. Um, but yeah, fa- fancy obsessing over the OED uh, football mm. definitions. He No, he describes... Uh, this is really funny. He says about Mick McCarthy. Just had a terrific 20 minutes of Mick McCarthy. I'm sure he has no idea how funny he actually is, but he's also a really good, honest pro. What does he mean by that? Is, is he talking about a really good, honest pro in a kind of comedic context? I mean... He doesn't realise how funny he is, but he's also a really good on his pro. It's just a, it's just a classic Keys non sequitur. Um, I mean, as with all guests on the Keys and Grey podcast, they just found him incredibly funny. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, no beef with Mick McCarthy. He seems like a really nice guy. I'd have him on a cliches episode in a nice heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I can, can confirm that Mick McCarthy is a nice man. Good, good. Glad to hear it. Well, yeah, that was a brief Keys and Grey podcast, but we had to get it in there just for celebratory reasons. Great episode 200 and well done to you, Dave Walker. Thank you. Welcome back, Charlie. Thank you. And we'll see you again soon. And everybody else, thanks for listening. Please do carry on listening. We'll be back on Thursday with a Premier League legend. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.